What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Chaz Pearson, and this is the Outlet Forum Podcast with my esteemed co-host, Chris Camello. What's up, Chris? What up, what up, Chaz? We are in the midst of the offseason, my brother. Man, we are here, finally, and we got a packed show for you guys. The Golden State Warriors win the championship for the 2022 NBA season. And, of course, we got all the rumors swirling around the Lakers and the NBA, and is Kyrie going to opt in or go back? To the nets or get traded or be or sign with somewhere else bradley beer rumor mill is heating up none i don't know lakers might have another asset and of course we got your social media post of the week that we'll be talking about my favorite part of the show but of course chris nothing in the nba matters right now more than the golden state warriors who were able to close out the boston celtics thankfully as a laker fan yes sir the hunt for 18 is no more, or actually is still going for the Celtics. And the Lakers are still tied for number one in NBA titles at 17. Now the Golden State Warriors were able to pull off their seventh NBA championship four out of the last eight years. They've been to the final six out of the last eight years. Stephen Curry now has received his first finals MVP with averaging over 25 points, five rebounds, and five assists in all of the finals that he's played in. He's actually probably should have two finals MVPs if, if, if it were up to me. He actually won it unanimously. Chris, what's your takeaway from this Golden State Championship? The parade was crazy earlier this week. Draymond going off on live TV saying, fuck this and fuck that. I mean, it's great. Uh, you got Gary Payton and Juan Toscano Anderson and Jordan Poole going crazy, the young guys, Kaminga and Wiggins. It was just great to see. Chris, what's some of your takeaway from not only how the Golden State Warriors played and closed the Celtics out, something we haven't seen since 1985. I mentioned that last week since the Lakers doing it on the parquet floor in the garden. garden. Um, What's your takeaways from that? And how do you see this championship stacking up and meaning specifically for Steph's legacy? Well, first of all, compliments on the new england accent there on the pocket on the pocket i was working on that a little bit earlier today man i liked it man i i I mean i wasn't sure if that was you or peter goober right there during his uh during the trophy presentation that the warriors had yeah no this was i I think if there's one word to describe this championship Chaz, and i think you'll agree with this improbable there was a there was a sense of improbability when it came to Golden State. And I say that not when the playoffs started. But let's go back to when the season began. Everyone was thinking Lakers or is it going to be Denver? Is it going to be the Clippers? Is it going to be this team and that team? Um, and, it you know, the Phoenix Suns. And Golden State was just sort of like, yeah, they'll be in the mix. Maybe they'll be a play-in team, maybe a six seed. But everyone kind of thought first or second round. That there was just the based on how the last two years went with all the injuries, Clay still wasn't back. There was a lot of guys who were unproven on this roster. They proved everybody wrong. And I know there's been a lot of a lot of pushback from the media and how they behave during the championship parade. We'll get to that in a sec. But to be quite honest, given what they went through the last two years after being at the top of the mountain for so long to now being on the bottom to that air of uncertainty to losing Durant and all the injuries, they've earned it. They have earned the right to act obnoxious, to act arrogant, to do all of that because they beat some damn good teams. They, they, they uh, defied all the odds. And even Steve Kerr himself said there, there is a feeling of an, like this was such an unlikely championship, whereas 2015, 2017, 2018, even the years that they lost in the finals to Toronto and then, you know, in 2016 to Cleveland, they were still the heavy favorites during that five-year stretch. This team came out of nowhere. They were younger. They were a little bit less experienced. Obviously, Steph, Clay, and Draymond are a little bit older. Clay coming off that serious injury. You know, th- there was a lot there, and they stepped up to the challenge. And I want to give credit, not just to Steve Kerr and his wonderful coaching staff, Mike Brown, Kenny Atkinson, Bruce Fraser, Ron Adams. Those guys have just done an an absolutely terrific job. 
but you also have to give credit to uh, guys like Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins and Gary Payton II all stepping up and improving their games. Because I'll tell you this, as well as those other three play, Chaz, they're not here without the without those three young guys stepping up the way they did. Yeah, they. I mean, the Warriors could not have done it without Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and Klay Thompson. And the fact that the, the Warriors, the most surprising thing to me is that the Warriors were able to close them out without even having a great game from Clay Thompson. We did not see game six Clay. He was five for 20 from the field. Uh, he had like 12 points. Um, he missed a lot of shots that he, but Steph Curry mm. had 34, seven and seven and was seemingly hitting every shot that he absolutely needed to every momentum shot. Um, the shot when he, I think it was midway through the third quarter where he took a shot and it was just, from almost half court. And after mm. that, he start, started doing the ring celebration. But that's, that's you still got another quarter and a half to go before the game is over. So the fact that he did that that early was pretty impressive to me. And Draymond had his strongest game of the series. Um, he, he hit shots. He got big rebounds, had seven assists, I believe, in the first half. They really set the tone. And Jordan Poole was hitting shots. Yeah. They, they played great. They had... Total team, team effort. And that's total, and, team, total team effort. Exactly. And that's the thing that I think what makes this particular group special, because when you look at those other teams, they didn't have the sort of depth, maybe the 2015 team did, but certainly in 2017 and 2018, they were a lot more of a top heavier group with Durant aboard. So naturally you're not going to have a deep bench because most of your money is tied into the Hampton five or the big four, whatever, whichever you want to call it. I obviously got to throw Eagle doll in there. So yeah, the Hampton five, I think has a nice ring to it. So it was more dictated on what those guys were doing. This particular group, you had eight, nine, 10 guys, you know, and granted we didn't see a lot of them during the playoffs, but I'm also looking at the regular season, the impact Juan Toscano Anderson had on the squad, the impact Jonathan Kaminga had the impact that uh, Nemanja Bialica had Otto Porter, uh, Damian Lee at times, Moses Moody, uh, Gary Payton, the second. And, and I said it from the beginning of the series, Chaz, I said, watch out for GP two coming back. Cause I have a feeling he's going to make an impact in some sort of way, even though he doesn't quite match and up. Had, well and he had a huge two hand dunk in that game too. Ex exactly. But I'm, I'm early, talking, early in the game, those last three games that the warriors won, he had his fingerprints all over that game, his energy, his defense, his tenacity, almost kind of like a, a, a mini version of what Marcus smart was for Boston or Patrick Beverly for the Timberwolves. He brought that where it's like, you look at his stats and they're pedestrian, right? But then you look at the plus minus and he's like a plus 20 when he's out there because of all the intangibles that he brings to the table. He really found his niche. And some of that is coaching, but also that's Gary Payton, the second embracing the moment Wiggins embracing the moment, Jordan Poole embracing the moment. So total, like you said, total team effort. Um, if, and, and the thing about it, Chaz, I think they'll be in a good position to run it back next year. It's just going to really depend on how many of these free agents that, that they bring back and how well that these young guys continue to improve. And can Kaminga, Moody, and even James Wiseman coming back, what kind of impact can they make in a more regular role next year? So the thing about when you have young guys and you win a championship like Jordan Moses Moody, Andrew Wiggins, you know, Jonathan Kaminga, these guys now have championship experience and swag to go along with what the Warriors already have with their core in Iguodala, Curry, Thompson, and Dre. So I think the Warriors are going to be quite possibly at, at the very worst barring injury in the Western Conference final again. And they very well could be in the finals again and win it all again. They are the favorites, um, you know, in the very early Vegas odds that come right out after the NBA season. Um, they are the number one team that has the best odds to win it. Um, obviously, you're going to have everybody jockeying for position as much as they can. Um, but I think that this, this championship for the Warriors is the one that's the most, number one for me, the most impressive because mm -hmm. of how improbable it was because of getting Klay Thompson back uh, Draymond being out, Iguodala being pretty much hurt, Steph 
being hurt late in the season, but then coming back strong and then not knowing what you're going to get from the young guys and then beating the teams that they beat like Memphis, as well as Denver, as well as Boston, you know, like these are teams that were pretty sound and the continuity that the Warriors had is what really propelled them along with that experience. So I just think that overall it's the, it's the one that's going to mean the most to Steph mean the most to the Warriors organization because it was improbable, but it's the one for Steph that's going to put him in the conversation with all the great players. Not that he wasn't already there, but it really, it gives him that stamp of approval. There's not very many people that have done what Steph has done. Um, There's a stat that shows that only him and Magic Johnson um, and and Michael Jordan are the people that have won finals MVP um, and all-star game MVP and he, I believe he won the uh, the Western Conference, the inaugural uh, Irvin Magic Johnson trophy. Yeah, he did. As well. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the conference finals uh, MVP. There's no there's, doubt. And there's that a this... picture of him holding of all, all, all of that as well. Yeah. So, I mean, he's he's in rarefied air and he's definitely a top 10 player. Who do you take out? That's really the conversation that a lot of people are having. And all these lists for me, they really don't mean much of anything because at the end of the day, the, the players are the players. You could put them in whatever order you want, but era and and game and accomplishments that that's all going to be debated for you know another day but at the end of the day you know who the great players are and Steph is definitely one of those all-time greats definitely a top 10 player of all time and this may and this may go down as one of the more memorable seasons of his career because think about all you just mentioned a lot of his accomplishments not to mention he became the all-time three-point leader all time yeah. Chaz. yeah all time earlier this year in new york uh, the baby face assassin is now the greatest three-point shooter ever to grace the hardwood i mean this year could not have gone gone any better for for this guy he reminded people what he's capable of doing and how much he's changed the game and he he may deny it he may say well i wanted to lead the team and it was all about the championship and yeah it was in large part but you can't tell me that that dude was not trying to get that finals MVP. He wanted to add that trophy up on his case. And I'll tell I'm you sh- something. Well, good. Yeah. I'm sure he, I'm sure he was, but I don't think he said, I'm going to win the finals MVP. But that I was think definitely he went in into his it mind. saying, I think he went into it saying, I got to play as great as I can to even give us the best chance to win because the Celtics were coming on strong. Mm. They had a 2-1 lead for a reason. They lost game one. If Steph didn't play the way that he played with Draymond playing as shitty as he did for those three games in a row between, I think, games two, three, and four. Yeah. Um, and even though they won game three, uh, I'm sorry, game four, uh, despite Draymond, he was he was playing terrible. And, and Clay really didn't have a great series. He had some moments, but I mean, it was really enough. all on Steph at the end of the day. It me. was, but you but that I'm saying though, that was his motivation was to not just lead the team. It was twofold, lead the team to a championship. Obviously, you, they, they didn't want to go through another finals empty-handed again. But yeah. you can't tell me that that was also not a motivating factor, was to w- finally win a finals MVP and not see Kevin Durant walk up with it, not see Andre Iguodala. No disrespect to those guys. Durant was a major, major part. No question he was the best player in those two series. But I honestly believe he wanted that particular trophy as well. I honestly believe that he really could have cared less because that's the reason why the Warriors dynasty is what it is. Because if he cared about individual stuff, he would would have cared that KD came. He would have cared that Clay got paid what he got. He would have cared that, you know, all these guys are getting paid and this and that. Like, he would have cared about the him being elevated above everybody else. He doesn't care about that, which is why it's worked for so long, which is why the the trio of Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and Steph Curry is still together. I really don't think he cared about that, that that motivated him. I think that he really just had to play the best that he could, and he knew that if he did, it was going to come with the finals MVP, but more importantly, that jewelry. I disagree. I think think he wanted to show, hey, just like Kobe did in 2009-2010, you guys said that it was Shaq seems and maybe it was, but I'm going to show you guys that I could do this on my own as the head honcho this time around and really, and, and to do it against a really good defensive minded Boston team. I think that was definitely toward the front. It wasn't 
the very front of his brain, but it was definitely toward the front. The ring takes precedent. I agree with you on that, but I still believe this was a strong motivating factor. But at this point, Chaz, we're, 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 we're splitting hairs. We're splitting hairs. We're Absolutely. splitting hairs. You know, hey, we're on a Absolutely. podcast. We're on an NBA and Laker Bay's podcast, it, you know, now going in, into the middle of June. Well, I'm sweating here, you know, like I'm in a sauna. Uh, so, yes, we are going to split hairs because that's what we do. So, speaking of finals MVPs, one, you know, somebody that took maybe two from Steph is Kevin Durant. And Kevin Durant's partner in Kyrie Irving is all over the news these days, this week. Uh, for those of you that are not uh, up on the news, Kyrie Irving's camp, I believe, it is my opinion that Kyrie's, Ir- Kyrie Irving's camp has put it out there. It, it was being reported from Adrian Wojnarowski among many other outlets that the Nets and Kyrie's team agent, his, his camp, are at an impasse currently on contract negotiations as he is entering the final year uh where he's going to be set to be making about $37 million. And Kyrie has until the 29th of June to either opt in or opt out and pursue unrestricted free agency. Uh, This is news, I believe, because it's a jockeying position uh, and a leverage play by Kyrie's camp to let the Nets know that they have other teams that are willing to not only pay Kyrie what, he's worth but to do a long-term extension as well now personally I don't think very many teams would offer him a four-year guaranteed extension without any opt-outs basically with Kyrie in the last I believe in the last five years he's only played about 40 percent of the season and he's missed 127 games over the course with, with of the his Nets. Uh, yeah. over the course of his time with the Nets. So, Chris, what what do you make of these rumors? Um, how does it pos- position and how does it relate to the Lakers? And what do you see happening happening with Kyrie Irving and his contract negotiation with the Nets? Where is he going to be playing next year? I don't know, but based on that bo- brother Muzon uh, tweet, maybe it could be down in the east side of Baltimore. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> yeah, cryptic, cryptic tweet, tweet by Kyrie's yeah. right after that news drop. And I too. and I and I love the. I mean, Wire's one of my favorite shows of all time. That that's what really all got time. me. Yeah, well, it's one of my favorites. I, I'm a, I'm a big Sopranos fan. Uh, I'm a big Entourage fan. Boardwalk Empire, anything on HBO, I pretty much watch. But I love the fact that he threw that one in there, and I think Brother Muzon actually had ties in New York. He was just down there on business down in Baltimore. So that's beside the point. So I will give Kyrie credit for that. Um, okay. I could understand Joe Sy and Sean Marks and the entire Nets organization not wanting to commit to this guy long-term because, well, he hasn't been on the court much. Whether it was injuries the first couple of years or this past season with not wanting to get vaccinated. So obviously you couldn't play home games for a large chunk of the season. And then there were some other things that he's been doing off the court. It it's certainly to me feels like he doesn't is not interested in playing basketball all that much, or at least if he does, it's on his terms. So I can't blame these guys uh, for not wanting to pay a third star a max contract because don't forget they still have Durant to contract. You have Ben Simmons who's now under contract for three more seasons. So if you're going to dole out money, that's going to really hamstring you financially moving this year and moving forward. You want to know that these guys are going to be available to be on the court because it's bad enough. You got to worry about Simmons. Now we've got to worry about Kyrie as well. So I understand the hesitancy and, and, but the thing about it is Kyrie knows he's got the backing of Kevin Durant. So if Kevin Durant, who's been silent on this so far, and obviously it's not really his fight, not yet anyway, if he knows he's got Durant and Durant's his buddy and they're friends and they wanted to embark on this together, then Kyrie knows he's got leverage within the organization because he knows that if the organization trades Kyrie Irving, they're going to have to deal with Durant. And more than likely that could also spell the end of KD's tenure with Brooklyn. And now Brooklyn is really up a Creek without a paddle that now they have to do a full scale rebuild. And I don't know if they want kind of, 
Kyrie, not well, really. They got they got KD locked in for three more years, guaranteed. Right, but who's to say he won't demand a trade next if they move on from Kyrie Irving without him signing off on that? Who gives a damn? He's locked. He just signed the contract. He Doesn't matter though. You know these guys can force their way out, Jazz. Yeah. And, they, and they, if KD and KD still has value, you're telling me somebody's not going to want to give a haul to get Kevin Durant and those remaining prime years? Amen. That's that's the thing. I, to be honest, if, if I'm if I'm Brooklyn. If I'm Brooklyn, I'm calling Katie's bluff. If Kyrie Irving is no longer with the team, if that's if that if that's how it plays out, and Kyrie Irving somehow you're playing with fire on that, my friend. Just letting you know that. Hey, that's that's just that's just. If I was Sean Marks and if I was Josiah, I will call his bluff. I'm I'm would, not would, saying would, you're wrong. I would call his bluff. But the, I'm not saying you're wrong. But now you're playing with fire. And we all know it seems like in recent years, just being a disgruntled superstar has become an epidemic in, in the league. Yeah, guys but forcing their way out, so unhappy. I'm, I'm not saying it's right. Believe me, I'm taking the exact. I'm I'm siding with Sean Marks in that. So let me let me break this down really quick. Um, the suitor, the potential suitors that have come out are the Knicks, the Lakers, the Clippers. These are all teams that could possibly be vying for Kyrie Irving services. They wouldn't be able to do a sign and trade deal if Kyrie opts in because of th these three teams would be hard capped. Okay. The Lakers would, the Lakers are not getting Kyrie Irving. So as soon as you hear the Lakers being linked to any major star, Lakers Twitter goes crazy. Of course. And we love it, right? NBA Twitter goes crazy in general. And you get all these different trade ideas and, and what about what if Russell Westbrook gets traded for his season and the 27 and 20, 29 first round pick to get Kyrie Irving back? And, you know, it's just not it's not going to happen, guys. Is it possible? Yes. But Kyrie Irving would have to opt in and say specifically, I want to go here. Yeah, it's just and in my opinion, it's just a leverage play for Kyrie to get as much money as he can for as long as he can to stay in Brooklyn now. If and, it just falls apart, because sometimes yeah. okay. you don't have a plan B and it's, things fall apart and don't go your way. He's going to be able to, to, to get paid on a year by year basis or even on a multi-year basis on a bad team. I'm sure a team with cap space would sign him in a heartbeat, um, whether it be Sacramento, whether it be Orlando, um, whether it be Houston, all these teams would pay him, but would he want to go there and would he want to be there long-term? No. So, so it limits my, your options my, of where you could it, actually deal him. Exactly. So my, in my opinion, this is just a leverage play to be able to get as much as he can and to keep things copacetic with KD um, and, you know, his boy and for them to be able to run it back next season. Now, worst come to worst, I think he opts in, doesn't get an extension, has to prove it this year. Yeah. That's the correct way to do it. I would make say, him opt, opt in pro and prove make him prove it on, on a year-by-year -year basis. And then from there, you can give him a three-year or two-year deal or whatever it is you want to give him, but you can't give him a four-year fully guaranteed deal coming off of missing 127 games over the course of his tenure with the Nets. It just can't happen. Absolutely. And I think, to be quite honest, the Nets are set up fine either way. Based on what you just said, he opts in. Okay, he's going to be hungry for a contract. Let's say we don't give him one and we play hardball. You, theoretically, Nets are – it works out for both sides. Kyrie now is in a position where he has to ball out, right? Now he's betting on himself, similar to what we're seeing on the baseball side with Aaron Judge turning down seven years and 230 million, I think from the Yankees betting on himself, balling out. And now next winter, Aaron judge is going to get paid out even more, maybe even double what, what the Yankees originally offered. Right. Kyrie yep. can now do the similar situation. Great point. Okay. okay. You don't want to give me an extension. I'm going to remind you and everybody else what I could do in this league. And for the nets, it's like, great. Now we've got a locked in Kyrie. We've got a healthy KD, hopefully a healthy Ben Simmons, a full season with Seth Curry, Joe Harris coming back. Hopefully Steve Nash, you know, won't coddle these guys too much with the baby powder and everything like that. Uh, and, and this team could actually get themselves back into a position of prominence. And if you have both of them and also too, Kyrie's also been injury prone. So hopefully if he stays healthy, you're in a good position where 
if he decides to re-sign, now he could command more money. He'll be in the driver's seat next summer. Or if he if he says, you know what, Sean, I'm out. Fine. Let's negotiate a sign and trade. Let's do that. So that, that way we could at least get some value. Hopefully These- he could sign off on that. It's risky, but I think I think what you said is probably correct. And I think it works out for both sides if he just opts in and plays out this contract and uh, reminds everybody what he can do when he's healthy and locked in. These sign and trade options that people throw out there are so frivolous because it's so hard to do a sign and trade. The last one that was big got got investigated by the league with Lonzo Ball and Kyle Lowry. Like that that was a sign and trade that went that went on. And with the tampering rules and and the hard cap and everything that you have to do, it's just so much harder to do a sign and trade these days than yeah. it was maybe five, even 10 years ago. So yeah, but it, I, don't, it, I just think that the prospect of it though. happening is just, it has been, but it's just Durant, CP3, they've of, done it. Yeah, it, they've done it, but it's just very unlikely given certain scenarios. And in this one specifically with Kyrie, I yeah. don't see a sign and trade happening. That's what I'm, that's my point overall. But can I ask you a question really, real quick? Can I, can I ask you ahead. what, just one question, just one question. Go ahead. Um, how would he look? with the Lakers alongside LeBron and AD? I don't even want to answer that question because it's just, I don't even want to to answer that. Okay, Dave Chappelle, you're you're pleading the fifth. He would, one, two, three, four, fifth. Look, (laughs) I, look, I just think that he would be great, but I don't want to entertain it because it's not realistic. It would be great. He would be everything that we need. If we could get Kyrie Irving, I don't care if the Lakers had to suit up the same exact roster as they did last year. LeBron, AD, Kyrie, all healthy, is going to be a finals team. I'm just, especially, especially given the experience that, LeBron and Kyrie have now and the different perspectives that they have from the time that they had uh, going back to 20, I think the last time they were together was five years ago, 2017, 2017 in Cleveland. Yeah. So uh, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's a lot, but they would look great, but it's just not realistic. So I don't, I, I got to plead the fifth on that one, big dog, but ultimately it, it's going to come down to, what team is willing it's not about the team does he deserve the money all you need is one team to be able to give it to him and i think there are teams that will give it to him but i think ultimately he's in a brooklyn that's uniform come september and training camp starting yeah yeah and 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 i just think it, out of those three teams lakers clippers knicks i think the clippers can offer the 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 most appealing contracts uh, they've got a young asset in, in Terrence Mann. You got Norman Powell. You could trade Covington, Marcus Morris, Zubak. All those guys have some sort of value. Even Reggie Jackson, I think, is going into the final year of his contract. You, you basically have your pick of the litter if you're the Nets. The question is, do they have the draft picks? New, that's where New York comes in. New York could probably offer more you know, lucrative picks. And if you're going to go into that mode. So it, it's really kind of depending what would Sean Marks want. I think, to me, best deal, Clippers, Knicks, Lakers. You want to know who's going to come to the Lakers next year? Hit me with it. I'll tell you on the other side of this break, Big Dog. You know what? Here's to going for it. And being terrible. Here's to giving it a shot, even though your shot is uh, garbage. To being the queen of the court. Oh, maybe not this court. To feeling the burn, even if there shouldn't be a burn to feel to trying your best, Wonders. even though your swing is the worst. Here's to going down way harder than you get back up. To giving it your all, even though you kind of suck. But you know what doesn't suck? <laughs> trying to do something you've never done before. That doesn't suck at all. Not even a little. 
Welcome back to the Outlet Forum podcast. In case you haven't already done so, be sure to download and follow all our podcasts on all major streaming platforms. We're on Spotify. We're on Google Play. We're on iHeartRadio. And of course, we're on Apple Podcasts. Leave us that five-star rating. Drop a comment. Let's get that dialogue rolling. Also, you could follow us on our website, www.nightcastmedia.com, N-I-T-E-C-A-S-T media.com. Go to the shows tab, click on the outlet form. That'll take you to our Apple podcast page. So Chaz, before we get back to the Lakers and their off season, there was a story that actually came out of the WNBA and it's pretty relevant because I think everyone's been talking about it throughout the WNBA, even in the NBA, even a lot of national political outlets have been talking about it and it that's been the detainment of WNBA star and I believe she's a four-time Olympic gold medalist Brittany Griner star center for the Phoenix Mercury an all-time great talent and she's been detained now in Russia since February I think it's I think it's over 100 days now it's just been very very difficult and yeah, I know yeah, exactly. And obviously we know Russia's at war with Ukraine and I, you wonder how much that is playing into this. But Bri- uh, Brianna Stewart came out with a very interesting post. Uh, the WNBA All-Star Weekend is right around the corner. It'll be in Chicago this year. And her tweet said, if I'm voted a WNBA All-Star, I want to wear number 42 for VG. Who is with me? And now, of course, she does at POTUS. Uh, for the president of the United States, Joe Biden, hashtag WNBA all-star needs to be a celebration of having her home fans, players, everyone let's show we have BGs back, get her Jersey today and wear it for WNBA all-star hashtag. We are BG. So the question is, should the league step in and in honor of Brittany Griner, either coming home or, continue to create awareness for her detainment uh should the, should everybody all WNBA all-stars be wearing 42 for that weekend in, in chicago for, for the all-star game i think that's the easy answer the answer is yes it's it's something that can be done it's no sweat off of anybody's back or brow um it's something that can easily be done and it's something that represents all of them Brittany griner could easily be anybody else in the WNBA. All of these women, you know, are not, it's known that they're not compensated the way that the men are. So, and obviously for obvious reasons, because of marketing and viewership and ratings and so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, these women have to travel overseas if they want to continue to play basketball and and make what they want to make. And in Brittany Griner's case, she's going overseas. She's playing in Russia. Her wife uh, who was, I believe, or fiance, I think, I'm not sure if it's wife or no, fiance, I, but either I, way, I think has wife, yeah. wife, yeah, yeah, has has said that she makes more playing in Russia than she does even making in the WNBA, but she doesn't want to go overseas. So anybody else in the WNBA could go overseas and this could happen to them. So I think it's something that the entire league should do. All the players should get behind because that's somebody that represents them. Um, it's a high level class of a player. And it's something easy that they could do to be able to bring awareness and just something else. I know it's just another drop in the bucket. It's not going to be something that completely moves the needle, I think, but it's a kind gesture and something that can easily be done. A la the NBA doing it right after Kobe died. I think they only had a a week or two to to be able to prep for that. Maybe even less than that after Kobe died because it was so close to all-star weekend. So yes, the entire all of the all-stars, both sides, East and West, uh, should wear 42 to bring awareness to Brittany Griner, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think Brianna Stewart might be onto something. It's like, hey, I want to honor her personally. I've been through the battles with her for, for Team USA, and we know how great the women's basketball team has been really for the last two decades. They have just been, or three decades actually, going back to 96. They, they've really just been an unstoppable force, and, and clearly Stewart feels some kind of way because – I mean, this is a sisterhood. This is, a, you know, like we say, the NBA is a fraternity. The WNBA is a sorority. And all, all of these women, you know, even though they're obviously intense competitors, they, they've done battle in the finals or in the playoffs or whatnot. There is still a love and respect that they have for one another. And clearly this hits home for Brianna Stewart. And I'm glad she's kind of stepping up and saying, hey, even, even if I am the only one wearing this, this is to show hopefully not that she's still in Russia being detained, but hopefully 
by that point, which I mean, I, the, the all-star weekend is going to be in the middle of July. So we're talking about less than a month now. I don't know if all of this is going to be resolved uh, till then, but I'm almost reminded, uh, do you remember in, in happy Gilmore where uh, happy Gilmore and shooter McGavin were, were, were fighting over uh, who's going to play for Chubbs's memory played by Carl Weather. He's like, Hey, I'm going to yeah. dedicate my, my performance to yeah. Chubbs's memory. Uh-uh, forget that I'm playing for Chubbs. Uh-uh. I called it first. I think Brianna right. Stewart would kind of be the shooter McGavin. A little, a little bit like that. <laughs> a little bit like that. I, I, I couldn't help but think about that, but in all seriousness, I think, they got to continue to do something. Uh, the, our government's got to do something. I, I know that the NBA and the WNBA have been working hard. Everyone continues to create awareness. But, I mean, this has got to be a government issue at this point. And, unfortunately, the one place where she's being detained is, of course, at war, is power hungry. And this could be very much a political move at this point where it's just like we're going to keep her detained, not just for the offense, but – to, to send a message to everybody in the West. And it, I just think it's, it's terrible that, that this government is doing this at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And I believe she's going to get out sooner rather than later. I just have, you know, that belief. Um, it's something I actually, you know, among many other things with these school shootings and gas prices and inflation in the market. And I, I you know, I, you know, I, I, as a Christian, I, you know, and a believer, I just pray for all this stuff. And Brittany Brent Griner has been on my prayer list for some time. So I just have the belief that she's going to be able to um, come home sooner rather than later. And it would help if uh, the WNBA players wore her number just to bring some additional awareness to the situation. Sure. Not that they already haven't, but the more the merrier. The more the merrier. The more the more the Absolutely. And uh, hopefully that that definitely continues. Uh, but Chaz, as far as the Lakers go, uh, th th there's been some some moves being made. Darvin Ham making his own moves. He's adding to his own bench, uh, adding some assistant coaches. We've seen a couple players opt in. So what's going on? How how, how do you think Ham's uh, coaching staff is is shaping up? I think Darvin Ham is doing a great job with hiring his staff and putting his staff together. Um, there's been four names really five names so forgive me i forget his last name quentin um assistant crawford. coach quentin crawford for the lakers um has accepted a position with the dallas mavericks uh with joining jason Kidd's staff i believe he's going to get a front of the bench seat on Kidd's staff uh i believe as it's being reported and as a result this has opened up uh a spot I believe for somebody by the name of Shyler Rimmer, uh, who has been an assistant coach for the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, who has a relationship with Darvinham. He was hired reportedly um, by the Lakers. Also, Jordan Ott, a lead assistant uh, for the Brooklyn Nets, was hired by uh, Darvinham and the Los Angeles Lakers. This goes back to Darvinham's time in Atlanta. Uh, Jordan Ott was a, an assistant coach in Atlanta at the same time as Darvin Ham. And Chris Gent was the mm. major hire over the weekend. Um, he is going to be uh, Darvin Ham's right-hand man. That is reportedly his lead assistant. And uh, that he goes back as a film coordinator, I believe, with the uh, Atlanta Hawks. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Skyler Shiler Rimmer was the. Uh, video coordinator, I believe, but Chris Gent goes back. It has been a head coach briefly in 2005 with the Orlando magic um, and is going to be the lead assistant. And of course, Phil Handy is the uh, holdover from the Frank Vogel ad, uh, administration uh, coaching staff. I should say. <laughs> yeah. Frank um, Vogel was not president. Chaz. <laughs> <laughs> I, I almost said that. Um, or there did. And although, uh, although, although he, he should have been. I think he's I think he's putting together his staff nicely. He's he's really getting, getting together and picking guys that he trusts, that he has a relationship with, that he doesn't have to forge a new relationship with or anything like that. Um, possibly maybe Phil Handy is probably got the guy that he has to do that most with. It has been reported ever since the day of Darvin Ham's press conference with the Los Angeles Lakers that Rasheed Wallace is going to be a, uh, an assistant coach. They played together in Detroit. 
going back to 2004, won a championship together, um, and of course have been have remained friends. I think Rashid Wallace would be a great addition. Uh, would help with AD kind of getting that dog out of him a little bit more as well. Um, I think Darvin Ham in general is going to work wonders for AD along with his staff. But I think Darvin Ham's doing a great job. What I'm most impressed with is the fact that the Lakers have done exactly what they said they were, well, not said, being reported that they were going to do and empowering Darvin Ham and allowing him to pick his staff, not giving him a three-year deal and giving him that extra year of security, paying him what they should pay him in accordance with other coaches that are getting, you know, jobs these days in, in, in the NBA. And as a first-time head coach has all the responsibility in the world. I like the, I like how it's going. I think it's, um, it's really, it, it's, it's tying into what his plan is. So he laid out a plan during his press conference, specifically saying that he's going to implement a four out one in uh, type of offensive scheme. And these are all people that have implemented that scheme with him in Milwaukee and Atlanta, going back to his uh, days with coach Mike Budenholzer. So I like it. What do you make of it, Chris? No, it's, I mean, listen, it's a good staff. All of these guys seem to have experience. They've got a connection to ham. So there are, those are all positives, which you just laid out Uh, during the time in Atlanta or the time in Milwaukee. Great. I personally would like one true veteran assistant who's also got some head, some long-term head coaching experience, you know, and there are guys out there, by the way, guys that ham has worked with Steve Clifford, him and ham were together on the, on the bench for two years with the Lakers under Mike D'Antoni. So there is some familiarity there. Terry Stotts. I mean, I I know I've pushed for him because I don't think he's going to get the Charlotte job after Kenny Atkinson backed out of it, a la Josh McDaniels. So now Charlotte reopened it, but it looks like they, they're settling in on Mike D'Antoni. Uh, so now, you know, Stotts could be available as an assistant coach. I mean, assuming he doesn't get the Utah job or anything like that. So um, I just think hiring a Steve Clifford, hiring a Terry Stotts, or even a James Borrego, uh, who j- also just got fired by the Hornets, somebody with some head coaching experience, but also is comfortable being an assistant because a lot of these guys have done that throughout their careers. You know, he said it in his press conference. I want guys who could get down in the trenches who are going to be a star in their respective roles and whatnot. I'm paraphrasing, but I just think having one more guy like that who understands the pulse of being a head coach who could help Darvin through the difficulties and the trials and the tribulations of being a a head coach, especially a first year head coach, because there are going to be tough times, Jazz. No matter how well you think you're prepared, you're going to hit those skids. And and it's nice to have that veteran. You can kind of throw your arm around or who could throw his arm around you and be like, Hey, you're going to be all right, young man. This is what, this is part of the job. This is what you got to do. So I just think that there is that aspect I would like to have uh, on the coat on the coaching staff. So, but if he decides to go with his own guys, that's fine too. And that's the, and that's the thing more than anything. Like I have to push back on the fact that now, Granted, he was only a head coach for 18 games in the 2004-2005 season in Orlando. He only went 5-13. and 13. I'm talking about Chris Gent, yes, uh, who is you. the lead assistant yeah. for And he's a good the, assistant. I like that pickup. I mean, I like that hire. Yeah, and, and it's, it's – I think it's going to work because he already has that reputation and that relationship with him. Mind you, Chris Gent was with the Cleveland Cavaliers from 06 to 2011. He was the assistant coach of director of player development with the Cavaliers. He served as LeBron James' personal shooting coach, and everybody swears by this guy. Now, he's part, he's part of the reason why, you know, he's part of the reason why certain players have been able to shoot better. LeBron has credited him with being able to shoot better as well. Now, that's not to say that Mike Pemberthy did a terrible job, but at the same time, the Lakers were just 27th in three-point shooting, free throw percentage, outside shooting. Not to say that Mike Pemberthy isn't a great shooter. I've seen him with my own eyes at LA Fitness. He's a great shooter and he's a great coach. And a lot of people would swear by him, but he's just, you know, it just, you got to make changes when the numbers are what they are and you got to be able to fill out a better roster. So I think Chris Gent is going to work wonders for this team. Um, I think that there are going to be players that play better and get that development 
in a way that they wouldn't get in another regime. This is what Darvin Ham does. Even though he is a first-time head coach, he specializes in developing guys and making guys better. Him and Chris Jen, along with Phil Handy, who has been touted as one of the leading development guys, probably the best development guy in the entire NBA, between this, this staff that he's putting together is, is great. And I think the person that's going to really benefit most is THT if the Lakers don't trade him and use the asset of Kendrick Nunn, yeah. who just opted in as well. And I'll, I'll switch gears with saying that and asking you this. What do you think of the Lakers and the moves that they need to make with a week to 10 days going leading into free agency? The draft is in a couple days this week. Um, the Lakers have talked about buying into that second round right. and, and, and getting uh, some, a young player to go along with the players that they've been able to develop. It's likely that they're going to keep Stanley Johnson and Austin Reeves. Now that they have Kendrick Nunn officially opting in to the second year of his uh, two year, $10 million deal. That's another chip that they could possibly trade along with the 2027, 2029 pick and Russell Westbrook, if they choose to do so, what do you think of the Lakers making some potential moves and how do you see the offseason playing out with the free agents that could be available within the next week to 10 days or so? Yeah, this is, this is definitely big because as of right now, the Lakers only have five guys under contract for next year. Um, and I think I'm sorry, six guys. And that, I think that includes Stanley Johnson as well. So I'm not surprised Kendrick Nunn opted in because that's $5 million. He didn't play at all this past year because of the bone bruise. I would not shock me. And I, mentioned this last week, it would not shock me if they use Kendrick Nunn in a potential trade. The question is, what kind of trade are we talking about? Is he getting packaged off with Russell Westbrook in order to land uh, a, a star on this team? Is it is he going to be traded separately where it's like you trade somebody like none, a, you know, a backup guard and try to get another backup guard in return? Or to be quite honest, is there a situation where instead of actually just buying in to the second round, Maybe you make an, a move with a team that has a, a plethora of second round picks and you start try to say, okay, we'll buy the number, I don't know, 40th pick or 45th pick. And we'll give you Kendrick Nunn and some cash and you give us a second round pick and maybe another player. You know what I mean? So now you, not you would trade Kendrick Nunn for a second round pick. I'm saying a second round pick oh, and, and another and another player and another okay. like right. young asset. You know what I mean? Like, for example, I'm not saying this would happen. Kenyon Martin Jr. wants out of Houston, right? Let's say Houston has a second round pick. So maybe you do something like, hey, we'll give you Kendrick Nunn, who's an expiring deal. You give us Kenyon Martin Jr. We'll give you cash as well as a second rounder. I could see them doing something like that, where not only do you get a, a solid young piece, but you also get that second rounder. So I'm not saying that will happen. More than likely, you'd want Kendrick Nunn's contract to be part of a deal that to get a a role player who could actually help you right away, like a Malcolm Brogdon or, you know, Terry Rozier or somebody like that. You know, we're hearing a lot of Indiana rumors, a lot of uh, Charlotte rumors. So that's where you would want to go. And now that D'Antoni is going to Charlotte, you wonder, is that it's more than likely, but let's put, let's say it is D'Antoni and Westbrook got along pretty well. At least he got the best out of what Russ the last, you know, three or four years. He, you know, Russ's best season throughout the last three, four years since the MVP year was probably in Houston, right? Team-wise and, and personal-wise. So I think if D'Antoni is on board, they need to free up money so that they could re-sign Miles Bridges. That could be a way to shell that contract. Maybe you throw in none there as well. So there's there could well, be a lot of movement going in between now and Thursday's trade deadline and definitely afterward as well. There's so I know much I threw a lot smoke. out you, but yeah. I know, and I'm and, I, and I'm about to reply with a lot. There's so okay. much smoke for there not to be fire with Charlotte. There's been too much talk. It's too perfect. And Mitch Kupchak, who has been with the Lakers for X amount of years, um, he could do us he could do the Lakers a solid by uh you know, including the Lakers and taking back Russ uh quite possibly. But here's what I've heard. And what I'm reading, and this was something that was floated out there. What if instead you, instead of trading, you know, Russ and everything like that, 
What about packaging Kendrick Nunn and Taylor Horton Tucker for somebody like a shooter like Bogdanovich or Evan Fournier or Atlanta's another you know, team looking to have a garage you know, sale. So, yeah. Somebody, somebody like that. So that way you can be able to, to, to get somebody that's going to be a high IQ, like Bogdanovich was somebody that oh, the yeah. Bucks wanted before they got drew holiday. And I'm sure Darvin ham knew all about that and had a hand in that at the time as well. Or you're hearing, I mean, there's a lot of smoke in it and it's been reported that, Malcolm Brogdon um, could possibly be traded to the Lakers with the Indiana taking back Russ's contract with Taylor Horton Tucker and sending a first round pick that way as well. Uh, I, Malcolm, no, no, no. Malcolm Brogdon. Brogdon is good, but Indiana's got to throw something else in as well. Right. Well, I forgot who the other player was. It was it Miles Turner. It might be because it... they're they're trying to shell Turner's contract, but Dallas is also in the mix for Miles Turner. And and New York could be as well, especially if they end up losing out on Mitchell Robinson. And Charlotte might be trying to shed salary by getting, by offloading Gordon Hayward. And they might have to attach a pick to do so because that's a bad, a bad contract that nobody wants to pay. And it's not expiring either. There's three years left on that, man. I'll tell you this. I hope that the Lakers don't take back any bad contracts for multiple years. You might as well just keep Russ and his expiring $47 million contract. Because this is the first Supermax contract to be expiring and have that leverage. It's the first one. No one's ever had an an expiring Supermax deal. So the fact that a lot of people said that this contract is untradeable is false. I don't even, I think if the Lakers wait long enough, and I've been saying this for months now, but I'll say it again. If the Lakers wait long enough, they'll be able to trade Russ without even having to give up any assets a and lot here, a first round pick and here's if the they other, wait long enough and, and, and Chaz you have to think about this as well the LeBron the, the LeBron contract is still an X factor in this particular situation or in this particular instance if LeBron does not sign that extension you have to be careful not to take back that much salary because the last thing you want to do in Cleveland remember, was sort of in this situation when LeBron left them in 2018. They were stuck with the Tristan Thompson, the the Shumper, the J.R. Smith contract, and it really, and of course, Kevin Love, who they eventually gave that extension to, it financially hamstrung them. So they couldn't really be in the mix for any other young-ish free agents. And, And those contracts, it took them a few years to finally shell them. So the last thing you want in a doomsday scenario, it's not only did we lose LeBron, but now how do we rebuild on the fly? Because we're stuck with a Hayward, a Brogdon, some of these other guys, and their contracts don't have as much value to move. So I think you kind of want to know in the back of your mind, is LeBron going to re-sign? And now we're, we're extending this championship window to now where we could we feel comfortable making these deals and taking on this salary, knowing that this core is going to be together for the next two or three years. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's 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 going to be dependent upon the moves that the Lakers make at the end. Of, like, at the end of the offseason, like, it could be beginning of August. But you want to know ahead, but you want to know ahead of time, though. You want, you want, you want to know. You want to know. But he has the leverage to be like, yo, let me see what, how it's going to play out. Because it's being reported that he That's wanted DeMar DeRozan. Right. I know I get it. It puts and, them in and, a and really he's tough and he's spot. He's telling people like, like, yo, I wanted DeMar and and Russ. Now, do we does anybody believe for a second that you didn't sign off on the Russell Westbrook trade? Not for a second. Of course you did. But could you have wanted DeMar bef- before Russ? Absolutely. So I think he's just waiting to see how it plays out because this offseason, there's just so many variables. And people don't have the cap space like they do or will have next season. So many more teams are going to have cap space, um, including the Lakers, if they're able to get off Russell Westbrook or even, you know, retain Russell Westbrook and have him come off the books next season. So the main thing with the Lakers is just to not make their situation worse by extending it and getting back bad deals in the process, which. I think they're not going to do. They've and, and they've not, had a perfect offseason thus far. They haven't fucked up yet. 
and it's not even man what is that three f words in this pod Chaz? geez do i gotta start a swear jar over here i'm just kidding man uh Maybe a little bit. <laughs> no but and that's what i'm saying because if you want to be in the jason tatum sweepstakes if you want to be in the donovan mitchell sweepstakes if you want to be in any of these other these these guys that are on rookie contracts if you want to be in pursuit of them you want to have that flexibility it's bad enough that you may need to attach first round picks to a Russell Westbrook in order to get him off the books. Now you're taking on salary. And I know I've kind of been back and forth on this, but the more I thought about it, the more to me, the prudent choice would be to keep Russell Westbrook, unless you are going to get back an actual all-star caliber player. That's like a Kyrie, like a Bradley Beal, somebody like that, that you could actually say, this is no. a legit all-star. No, no but, but that he makes doesn't have to be an all-star. Yes, it does. I, if, if no, if, if you, you're giving if up you, picks as well. If, no, 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 no. Well, yes. If you're giving up picks, you better be an all-star. Yes. If you're that's what not I'm giving up picks and you're just clearing space. Okay. Yeah. That's a little you, different. You get some, and, and you're just filling up the roster to have more depth. That's the better way to go because we know that LeBron and AD with shooters and other complimentary players can work. So if you go that route, I'd rather go that, that route than try and trade Russ. I'd rather go the route of filling out the roster, trading Russ and being able to get complimentary pieces than trading Russ and a pick to try and get back an all-star being more top heavy and not having a roster that's more balanced. So Rob's got, Rob's got a lot under his and Jeannie's not giving him that vote of confidence and saying, you're going to be here forever. This is the year that Rob has to show and prove, which is why LeBron isn't going to get an extension right now until after all these moves are made, if so. And we're really going to have to see really how the, 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 the season starts to play out. But I'm excited because it's free agency season. We're getting all the tweets. We're getting all the eye emojis that are coming out. It's being reported that Bradley Beal is going to opt out of his $37 million uh, option and uh, possibly be an unrestricted free agent. He's already come out and tweeted, wait, what? Like, it's already starting, guys. So a week from now when we're recording this podcast, there's going to be so many more rumblings and so many more rumors Kids to talk the season. about. And I, for one, cannot wait. It's beginning to look a lot like the NBA offseason. Hey! Rumors in every door. Swirling around, baby. All right, Grinch. Uh, <laughs> now this brings me to my final favorite part of the show the social media post of the week chris of course we got so much fire heat coming on instagram twitter tiktok i mean shit, i'm even seeing some good stuff on facebook these days facebook is always the place where you can see your aunties and uncles crack up over each other and you see some funny stuff mm -hmm. on there too but I got some heat for you guys this week. Chris, I'm going to let you go first, actually. What is your social media post of the week coming off the Warriors winning the championship? What, what did you find? You know what? Well, first of all, thank you for allowing me to go first. Age before beauty, right, Chaz? Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> uh, I actually found a good one from former Golden State Warrior champion, Andrew Bogut, at Andrew Bogut. And he says, I am here for this, at Money23Green. That's Draymond's Twitter handle. He is sending overdue invoices to everybody. Hashtag receipts. And we saw Draymond. He stayed true to that word. I mean, I, I thought you were bad with profanity. He every other word oh, during man. that parade was F and he has gone. He has gone to everybody uh, during this championship uh, week uh, for him. So, but hey, I wasn't, I was inspired by Draymond. So spoils. Yeah. Apologies for the extra f-bombs but you guys know what i mean I, just, I use it for a little extra flavor but my my tweet comes from at warriors world and this is a very simple tweet because it's a gif of john morant when he was hurt and i believe it was in game six the close up no maybe actually game five when the warriors lost by like they think where they were down by like over 56 points and John Morant stood up after a three-point shot and a foul and one going one, two, three, four. Man, the caption reads, how many rings they got, Ja? And you see Ja going. <laughs> so that's my social media post of the week. That's pretty funny. And John Morant and Jalen, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., I love the, the spiciness coming from Clay talking about 
Jaron Jackson Jr. talking about strength and numbers after they beat him in a regular season game and eventually closing them out in the playoffs and them going back and forth and now saying that they want to play each other on Christmas. Man, listen, the NBA is a 365 day all year round league. So we already gearing up for next season and I can't wait. So with that being said, thank you guys for listening to the Outlet Forum podcast. You guys know where to follow me on Instagram at Chaz P on Twitter at Chaz Pearson. Chris, where can they follow you, my man? Could always follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Camelo. I'm also on Instagram, C Camelo one. Be sure to follow uh, the outlet forum, social media at the outlet forum on Twitter and at the outlet forum on Instagram. And uh, you could also follow me on Facebook. It's uh, Camelo's Corner <laughs> by Chris Camelo. And also check out nightcastmedia.com for go to the shows tab, but also some great entertainment and sports content up there as always. So we got some guests coming up, hopefully in the next few weeks. So Chaz and I got a busy summer coming at you, especially the next month with all of the off season. We got the draft coming up the, uh, the, later on this week, Chaz. So we're going to have a lot of stuff to be talking about over the next few weeks, my friend. And we gear it up and I'm ready for it. Well, thank you guys for listening to the Outlet Forum podcast. We're going to keep bringing that heat long as you guys keep asking for it and going back and forth with us on Twitter. We love the debates. We love the interaction, the engagement. Appreciate you guys listening week in and week out. And we'll have some more fire heat for you guys next week. See you then. And until next time. Peace. Peace.